This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. And I'm delighted to say that uh, joining us from New York is Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Ed Moyer. Good afternoon from London, Ed. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Let's start with uh, your thoughts on what you described to me just a moment ago off air as uh, a new bull market. What is behind that? It's amazing. Uh, stocks are having their best week since March, and uh, it, it seems that there is a lot of optimism here that um, we, we could possibly see um, the Fed be in a position to um, wrap up this tightening cycle pretty soon. Um, I think there's a there's been so much resilience with the economy. There has been a lot that has been propping up stocks. Um, you know, we've had the AI trade. I mean, I, when you take a look at the weightings, mega cap tech has been the key driver. We've seen, you know, NVIDIA, you know, rally over 160%. You've had Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, um, Al, uh, Alphabet. Uh, they, they've all rallied around 40% year to date. Um, that weighting is, is, I mean, like, you know, Apple's market cap is bigger than the Russell 2000. So, I mean, you're seeing this is so, it's so about tech. And, you know, this morning, what do we have? Well, we have GM announcing news that they're going to use Tesla's EVs, charging stations nationwide, joining Ford. Tesla is, you know, I throw them in there, that mega cap tech stock trade. And uh, they're, 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 they're skyrocketing. They're, they're pretty much you know, trending well above all those key moving averages. They're extremely in overbought territory, but it's a trade people like. It's a it's a trade that's probably uh, going to solidify their stance as king is for EVs in the U.S. And I think um, right now, you know, you have a market that they know that next week is big. Um, so today, this week's rally. They're, they're, I mean, we were grabbing at straws, you know, talking about higher jobless claims, you know, leading to, well, maybe having more signs the economy is weakening, weakening, you know, disruptive data, disappointing data abroad, you know, you know, giving more substance to that. Maybe all this global central bank tightening is, has, has run its course and we're starting to see some cracks. But, uh, but I think, you know, overall, you know, you've had a lot of people that have changed their position on what the fate of the U.S. economy is. It seems we've gone from recession at the end of the year to possibly next year to now some people arguing that we might not have one. And uh, that's, you know, very good for stocks. Um, you know, when we take a look at the consumer, consumer is weakening. Consumer, um, but you know, some of the data has been mixed. You know, credit card delinquencies has been rising. Um, but when you take a look at like Bank of America put a piece together and it's kind of arguing that maybe that's not the case. So um, mixed signals, which is providing a lot of optimism here that the U.S. economy isn't quite yet ready to break. And I think that's why we're seeing stocks that, you know, you know, the, never retested those October lows. We're now 20% higher from those lows. And now there's uh, there's a little bit of momentum here. But, I mean, given all the risk for next week, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but um, you have an inflation report in the Fed, and uh, that could uh, – that will, you know, determine whether or not we, we start to see the markets anticipate, no, the Fed's not done, or possibly, you know, the skip could turn into a pause in July, and maybe we won't see more tightening. 
It's definitely been an interesting trade to watch, just seeing how strong the U.S. equities market. Of course, there's been so many different uh, points and, and objections to the rally along the way. People saying you know, the AI thing is overdone. But at the in the grand scheme of things, if you look back in the in the markets, sometimes the markets don't trade purely off of uh, logic. A lot of times there are momentum pushes. I mean, Ed, you mentioned that the Tesla trade, right? Clearly uh, a one directional, super extended move, uh, but it you know, it, it very well could continue higher. It's like if you looked at NVIDIA, I was watching it before the big, you know, 20% up day or 40%, whatever it was day, and it looked really overbought to me. So it's kind of an interesting concept in markets. Oftentimes you get these really extended moves, um, but that doesn't mean that they, you know, cannot continue higher. And uh, just to follow up a little bit with you, Ed, there on top of, um, you know, the the uh, stuff that we saw here, we saw a contraction a little bit in, in Canada this morning, which we'll talk more about in a moment. We also saw, um, you know, we see other central banks still kind of uh, on the rate hike side of things, but there's been some interesting data that's been forming, uh, you know, out of China. We saw, of course, the Chinese inflation uh, number, which showed weakness in the economy. And people pay close attention to, you know, China has that kind of very important role that um, the United States does, right? People watch very closely U.S. jobs, uh, U.S. inflation, Fed projections, that sort of thing. Uh, same thing with China. And we saw just uh, just recently here, we saw Chinese inflation showing some weakness there um, uh, on that side of the world. CPI rose 0.2% year over year, which was lower than the 0.3% forecast, uh, as well as Chinese exports fell more than expected, cutting into that surplus a little bit. So um, why does this matter? Well, again, if we see global <clears throat> growth kind of slowing, if we see signs of that, uh, to your point about possibly seeing uh, the, the, the extreme uh, extremes of this tightening cycle globally coming to a close, uh, it definitely has implications on, on you know, the stock market. And sometimes I think people might be a little bit confused about why slowing uh, means, you know, a, a slowing of jobs numbers could perhaps be bullish for the markets. But you have to remember that, you know, the economy and the stock market are not a one-to-one -one correlation. Um, it's also very heavily related to, as we always talk about on these podcasts, uh, Fed projections, right? If, if things are expected to, to continue cooling, I mean, we saw Canadian jobs are our neighbors just north of where we're at, right? Um, slowing jobs numbers. If that persists to be a theme, it is very possible, and I think the market is catching wind of that, um, that you may have sort of an end of tightening cycle occurring. Um, so it's been an interesting week in terms of equities being really, really strong here on this Friday. Uh, and it will be interesting to see if it can hold those gains as we go into next week's uh, June 14th Fed meeting. We also have CPI numbers, retail sales. It's a very busy week next week. And I note from those China figures, uh, guys, there are calls growing for the People's Bank of China to cut rates. And as, as you said uh, just now, uh, Nick, uh, maybe this is uh, a key moment where we're going to see the tightening cycle uh, end. How important is the Bank of China? Bank of China, I mean, again, as I mentioned, in terms of uh, central banks that people watch, uh, you know, us Western world people, we focus very heavily on, you know, the G7. We look at, you know, the Bank of England, the, the Fed, but the bank, of, uh, you know, the, the Chinese banks are, are all equally very, very important to pay attention to. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, a ton of the world's trade involves China. And if, if surpluses are diminishing, if there's slowing there, um, you know, whether, you know, the East and West want to acknowledge 
acknowledge each other or not, there is a massive, um, you know, impact on one another, uh, not just, you know, in the, the oil trade, but trends around the world, right? Uh, all sorts of other central banks will look at what's happening uh, with China, and there will certainly be some, some crossover, uh, similar to how the Fed uh, weighs in very heavily on what uh, major Western powers are doing. I'd like to add that, you know, I think that the PBOC right now is probably, you know, as far as global growth grows, they're they're going to determine, you know, the next major move. And uh, next week is going to be a big, big week. Um, you know, I think we oftentimes, you know, brush over the the uh, the decisions when they talk about their medium term lending rates, but they could trim uh, that rate next week. And I would not be surprised if in the next few weeks we finally do see a triple uh, R cut. And uh, the the economy is is has disappointed. Um, they've signaled they're going to do more support. So uh, it's not like the Fed or the ECB or even the BOE where you have these calculated times on when the central bank is going to make a decision on rates. They just act. They like to take advantage, uh, surprise the markets. You could sometimes see those decisions come on a Friday morning. Um, so like, like around like 4 a.m. Eastern time. So uh, they, they take they take full advantage, leveraging the vulnerability of a, a thin market. And they oftentimes get better bang for their buck on their policy decisions. So, you know, China could act. China um, most likely will. The question is when. And, uh, you know, I think as people try to get a better sense of, you know, why is their recovering, uh, struggling? And on the domestic side, um, you know, how weak is it? And how much better should it get? You know, the property sector has been, a, you know, a, a big, big area of concern for years. And um, I think that we're going to be surprised that China is probably going to, you know, impress. I think a lot of people were downgrading their growth forecast to 5% or even lower. Um, but I, I would not be surprised if we, we saw um, a very strong second half of the year from, from Beijing. And uh, the PBOC is, is they're, they're, when they act, they're going to be strong. And I think they're going to uh, send a message here. And even though the stimulus that will be given um, will take months to filter through the economy, it will send a message to the markets, and that is, uh, it, it will be difficult to assess how that will impact things because it could prove to be inflationary. <laughs> um, but I think there's still a strong optimism here that um, you know the the disinflation process is in place. As uh, Nick highlighted, you know we're we're seeing some central banks resume some tightening, but I think there's optimism here that. Um, we're very close to the end of tightening, and that's that's good for risk appetite. That's you know, and then the markets just fixate on when do we get those cuts, and that's probably why we're seeing the S and P 500 above 4,300. Okay, let's turn to uh, the cryptocurrency uh, market. One thing you can say about crypto, guys, despite the mess that the whole industry seems to be in, it is pretty resilient. Yes, we've had a sell-off on that uh, Binance news, but it has been uh, an interesting week, Ed, has it not, for Bitcoin? I almost crashed the uh, the Wednesday podcast because I was so excited with all the crypto news. 
Um, you know, the SEC, you know, they, they, they made their decision. They went after Binance. They went after Coinbase. The timing was interesting. Um, I think they're, they're, they're clearly trying to, um, I think, uh, lump all the issues that uh, these exchanges um, are having. And uh, I think you, you, you're, you're going to see that, you know, the, the decision to name something uh, a crypto uh, a security um, is going to be debated. It's going to be fought. Um, there will be judicial reviews. This might spur Congress to act. Um, so uh, you, you know, you're, you're starting to see some companies panic. Robinhood, uh, you know, they're they're uh, delisting uh, Cardano, Solana, Matic. I mean, you're you're, you're seeing, uh, you know, all coins got crushed on this news because the fear is if the SEC is going to control you, you're in trouble. Bitcoin's a commodity. They're in the clear, um, and so what? What we're now, you know, witnessing is that Bitcoin is probably, uh, you know, uh, you know that great flippening. Uh, I was guilty falling uh, into, uh, you know, that you know fundamental view, blockchain protocols, Ethereum momentum. Uh, you know, that flippening is not happening. Um, you're you're, you're going to see Bitcoin dominance remain. Uh, I think this regulatory environment is going to probably see. Uh, a mass exodus ac across several coins, um, altcoins that is, and uh, it will benefit Bitcoin. People are not going to abandon crypto completely. They're going to go into Bitcoin um, and some of the more, um, I think, stable coins that um, people are anticipating are going to be able to survive this regulatory um, gauntlet that we're going to be living through over the next several months. Now, uh, I think it's important to, you know, you know, understand that this is just the beginning for Binance and Coinbase. Binance, you know, the lawsuits are different. Uh, so I think, you know, Coinbase is a company that has is in a better position to fight. Um, you know, there are issues with staking and, you know, obviously, um, you know, selling these, you know, so-called deemed securities, uh, you know, that, that's going to lead to a big fine. Uh, Binance, that could be interesting. I mean, but you have to, you know, know that this is, you know, Binance, the largest exchange in the world. They, however, um, are not, um, you know, you know, they wouldn't, if they, let's say they had to really, uh, they got penalized severely and you saw other, ex other regulatory bodies, you know, go after them. Um, we've seen, you know, big exchanges come down. You know, we just had it with FTX before that we had Cripsy. We also had Mt. Gox. Crypto survived. Bitcoin did very well in those environments. So uh, this is a, a time where, you know, I think uh, that diversification trade um, in crypto um, is probably going to, you know, go a little bit more back into um, the bread and butter trade, which is Bitcoin. And uh, that's why we're seeing Bitcoin. Um, it's at 26,500 at this podcast recording. And um, that's pretty good considering all the, the headlines we've had to deal with this week. And um, I would not be surprised uh, if, um, you know, we saw more, um, more pressure across some of these other altcoins and, uh, you know, Bitcoin's still in its range. It's still probably going to be there for some time, but um, we're finally getting that regulatory guidance and uh, this will spur action. Um, so hopefully we get that a lot sooner. So that way crypto companies can, eventually um, have guidelines in place and they can grow and um, you could see more improvements with the use case argument. 
And I think one thing uh, to reiterate to your point there about Ed, in, ter- uh, in terms of the the crypto world, altcoins got got really you know taken out of by this news. But uh, Coinbase, uh, you know, Binance, all of this this trouble, the lawsuits, the concerns there. Um, you know, if you're a if you're a Bitcoin seller, if you're a Bitcoin bear, um, it's got to be a pretty frustrating time to see uh, this kind of just turn into a choppy range-bound market. I mean, it was down big one day, went from 27,250 down to 25,500 Bitcoin, that is, in one day. And then the next day, it shot right back up. So I think, to your point, it, it, it is kind of like, you know, in the dot-com era where you had a lot of stuff get washed out, um, you know, when the tide went out. I think there may be a little bit of that aspect going on with the crypto world. And the fact that Bitcoin's not trading at 15,000 today off of all this fear, um, I would say is really uh, shows just some strength there of, of, I guess, the original, right? Bitcoin being um, the first cryptocurrency. So uh, an interesting time in the crypto world, for sure. Um, it's not really even, you know, my market focus, and yet still very interesting uh, to keep up with these days. Uh, turning a little bit of our attention to close out the podcast today, I just want to talk about the, uh, the the numbers that we had out of Canada a little bit more specifically. We saw gold react very heavily to this. Um, and staying true to what we mentioned on our Wednesday podcast about gold, it is now focusing, or it seems to be focusing very heavily not just solely on what the Federal Reserve and the U.S. dollar is doing, uh, which was kind of made more apparent today with the Bank of Canada, I'm sorry, the um, the, the Canadian unemployment numbers coming out at 5.2% compared to the forecast at 5.1%, so a tick up in unemployment. And at the very same time, they're expected to add 21.2K jobs. We got minus 17.3K jobs. So a disappointment in terms of labor showing some cooling there um, for sure. And this is following, of course, their decision to rate hike. Uh, so gold initially moved higher off this, gave back some of those gains. Um, and again, I, I think just kind of reiterating off this, yes, of course, we've talked about central banks already in this podcast, but just to touch on gold for a moment, I do think that um, you know signs of, of labor markets cooling, uh, potential um, tightening cycles ending, I think gold looks very interesting. And so I'll keep an eye on that one as we go into next week. And um, just to preview next week, as I mentioned earlier, we have retail sales numbers. We have have uh, Fed decisions. Uh, we have several, several key things. Uh, Ed, what are you? Are you watching anything specifically next week outside of the big one CPI? Is there anything else that is on your watch list? Well, I, I think you know it's Central Bank Week. You know, you have the BOJ. Um, there are some analysts thinking that they can do a tightening move. <laughs> um, you know, ECB. It's going to be boring. They're going to raise rates. No, I'm kidding. ECB is is, is also another live one. You're going to see uh, uh, also upgraded forecasts uh, for the ECB and the Fed, and I think that's going to be important. Um, Fed's going to have to downgrade. I mean, they were anticipating the unemployment rate would be a lot higher, and uh, this economy is too resilient. Um, you know, as as I highlighted earlier too, we also have um, the. China and the the uh, decision on the medium term um, lending rates. That's you know, I, I'm anticipating a cut, um, so that could provide some support. Um, but uh, no, it's 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 a it's it's a week that's really gonna you know when it's all said and done, focus on the Fed. And as you highlighted before, um, we've seen you know the global bond market react to the RBA to the Bank of Canada, to this Canadian report. Everyone's thinking, the, the Canada is a leading central bank. The Fed is, you know, kind of, they sometimes it seems like they're they're following. Um, and, you know, you're, you're getting some big, you know, clues here on, on what might happen. So it's definitely going to be about the Fed. And, uh, no, I think uh, 
we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, we're we're at a bull market in stocks. We're we're you know, gold is you know, it's what twenty dollars away from two thousand. So we're 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 looking at uh, some very interesting levels where. There's a lot of momentum potential here, so you know next week should be volatile, um, but we'll we'll see if 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 we have a a softer inflation report and you know a Fed pause and you know they 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 all of a sudden they really change their tune, um, you know we'll we'll see if we we we're, we're stuck with the um, a range bound market, but uh, I think you know more people are anticipating high high end volatility next week. Okay, guys, thank you very much for joining us today. Have a very good weekend. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. You too. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.